In any great work of God, there will be some opposition, as Pastor Ed Taylor explains. Today, I want to warn you. It's God's will for me to warn us as a church today, everyone listening to us on the radio as this goes out on Abounding Grace, anybody listening to me, God wants me to warn you that when you make progress for God and when you take steps of faith, you will face opposition. And the greater the progress, listen, the greater the progress, the greater the opposition. This is amazing grace. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. On today's program, we'll open our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. If you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you know that Satan is out there on the prowl seeking to mess your life up. The enemy opposes the work of God every chance he gets. And Nehemiah chapter 6 exposes his tactics. We'll soon discover he seeks to distract the follower of God from the work. And if and when that doesn't work, he'll try again. So we must be on our guard. Here's Ed. Nehemiah, we're going to be in chapter 6, and the title of our message today is Remaining Faithful Despite the Challenges. Remaining faithful no matter the challenges. Because if there's one thing you will face as you step out in faith, it will be challenges and attacks and spiritual warfare. We're in this series as we conclude today, launching off into a new year, learning how and being reminded to go forth in faith. The phrase we're using is, into faith we go. And how exciting it is to abide in Jesus, following his lead, learning steps of obedience, knowing that God is doing a great work among us. And we come to a great section in the Bible, zeroing in on a man's life and his faithful obedience to God. Nehemiah was living life on an ordinary day, and a call of God came to him. And as we've learned before, that it didn't necessarily, calls of God don't come through burning bushes, and they don't come through supernatural things, although sometimes they do. Most often they come to us as we are daily doing what God has called us to do. So what's Nehemiah doing? Nehemiah's at work. He has this wonderful position. I mean, really, it's a position in the government, a government job where he can coast into retirement. There's really no other need necessary in his life. He has been placed in a great position of trust. And God calls him to a new work through a conversation, a conversation with his brother. His brother tells him things are not well in Jerusalem. The walls are broken down, the people are in distress, and it moves Nehemiah's heart. He begins to pray. And in his prayer, God calls him and speaks to him and says, I want you to go back. So he goes to his boss, the king, and he asks for a leave of absence, a very challenging thing. He asks for a leave of absence, not for himself, but for the sake of God's people. And he heads off, and he is used of God to rally the people, to rebuild the walls primarily, 
so that alongside of Ezra and Zerubbabel, the temple can be rebuilt and worship life will return to the broken down city of Jerusalem. By the time we come to chapter 6, God is making great progress through his people and through the leadership of Nehemiah. The walls are almost, well, the walls are complete. The gates are almost hung. And with the walls being rebuilt, the leaders are starting to lead. The people are repenting. And so both practically and spiritually, things are moving forward in very glorious ways. And all of these studies we've been looking at, whether it's this little series or when we jump back into the book of Hebrews and we look at example after example after example of what faith looks like and what God honors, things are being stirred up in us. Decisions are made. Things that are leading us to step out and to step in to newness and freshness. Today I want to warn you. It's God's will for me to warn us as a church today, everyone listening to us on the radio, as this goes out on Abounding Grace, as you're listening live on Grace FM right now, you're watching live, anybody listening to me, God wants me to warn you that when you make and progress for God, and when you take steps of faith, you will face opposition. And the greater the progress, listen, the greater the progress, the greater the opposition. The greater the progress, the greater the pushback for you to stop the work of God for your life. You know, we're all here today with a plan, God's plan for our lives. You have a unique purpose and plan within the body of Christ, within this community. You have one, I have one, we have one as a church. And the goal of God is to use you in greater capacities that are beyond your imagination. Whatever you can think of today. Whatever you can think of of how God will use you, God wants to do even greater and grander things. But as real as God is, the devil, this created being that God himself created, he created him as a good angel that rebelled against him. He's real. As real as God is, the devil is real. And I'm sure you've heard it put this way. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Doesn't that just make you feel so good and warm? It's true. God loves me and he has a plan he's working out in my life. Well, let me tell you this. The devil, he hates you and wants to destroy your life. Wants to do ruinous things. Jot it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 9. Paul declares, For a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. There's a great open door. Opportunities abound, and adversaries are there right at that moment. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. He says, this is 1 Corinthians 16, 9. There is a wide open door for a great work here. I think of that in our own community. There is a great and wide open door for God's work to continue in our city. How many times have I reminded you that even now as I'm teaching, even now as we're worshiping, even as we're singing, even as we're serving, there are men and women praying for our city. There are men and women praying about moving to our city. There are men and women praying about reaching our city, wanting to plant a church, start a ministry. They are praying for us and praying for our neighbors. And they want to see, they want to see God move greatly in this city. And guess what? We're here already. And yet so many have lost their passion to reach the lost. So many have lost their desire to be used greatly by God. 
There's a great and effective open door for us here in Aurora, in Denver, throughout the metro area, in our state, in our country, in our world. The last time I looked, our city's not saved yet. Have you noticed? Last time I looked, Denver, not saved. Colorado, not saved. United States of America, not saved. The world, we're still to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And with that open door, Paul says in the New Living, many oppose me. Many oppose. There is great progress which will bring great opposition. You see, the devil, he hates you. And he'll take you as distracted, as disrupted, and ultimately he'll take the destroyed ruins of sinful decisions in your life. He wants you as a Christian to be as weak and feeble and ineffective. He'll take any compromise you have. He'll take any weakness you have and exploit it to destroy you. He doesn't want you relying on Jesus. He doesn't want you abiding in him. He doesn't want you worshiping. He doesn't want you serving. He doesn't want you reading. He doesn't want you enjoying life. He wants your marriages ruined, church. He wants your kids shattered. He'll take you as miserable and depressed and as compromised as you'll give him. He'll take whatever you have and he'll want more as he's never satisfied. He'll take you, he'll take anything and everything but you growing strong spiritually. And with great progress, there's always a spiritual battle raging around our lives. I know many times it manifests itself with people situations and difficulties among people as we see today in Nehemiah's life. The attacks that Nehemiah faces were directly related to people that hated God and therefore hated him. But they had an air, like Paul would write to young Timothy, they had an appearance, a form of godliness. They, they even used spiritual language at times, but they denied the power therein, the power of God. They weren't, weren't true believers. They weren't true followers of God. They hated God, and Nehemiah took the brunt of their hatred toward God because Nehemiah was a lover of God. And there's always that battle. And there's always that tension. So while much of what we face is with people, never forget, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And it's not about the people as much as it is about the demonic presence behind that situation. The spiritual warfare to destroy you. Today, if you're taking notes, I want to show you four oppositions or four attacks on the life of Nehemiah. And I'll just let you know, by the time we get to the end of the chapter, Nehemiah makes it through. He passes the test of all of them. And because Nehemiah can pass the test, so can you and I. And yet we'll face them nonetheless. And they're very hard and very difficult. So pick up with me in chapter 6, verse 1 of Nehemiah, where it says, Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah... Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Samballad and Geshem sent to me saying, come let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent, verse 3, messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. 
Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. So here's strategy number one. Here's attack number one. There's an invitation to negotiation. An invitation to negotiation. Now, I use those two words because they kind of rhyme, so let me explain them to you. This was an invitation to leave the work. An invitation to leave the work for some other purpose. And it's relentless, you'll see. The attack of the enemy is relentless. Here, Nehemiah is almost done. God's progress is evident. And I love it. I love it in the verse, first verse. They had heard of the progress of God. It reminds me of what Rahab said. Remember, with Rahab, she had heard, she had said, we all know of the power of your God. We know all about you. We've heard about you. You know how it says that bad news travels fast? That's true. But so does good news. Good news travels fast. And when God is doing something great, the enemies of God hear about it. It is popular. The progress of God's success was obvious. I know so much focus and attention is spent in our lives on bad news, but that's primarily because that's what we expose ourselves to. We tend to find what we're looking for. And if you're looking for good news, there's much to be said. And of course, not everybody's happy with good news. You might have experienced this in your own life personally. Not everybody's happy that you're following God now. And not everybody's happy that you're making so much progress. Not everybody's happy, and unfortunately, not everybody's happy that you're happy. And they come after you, and they attack. Here was an invitation in verse 2. Let's meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. And Nehemiah's answer was, oh no, I'm not going. Say it with me. Nehemiah's answer was, no. Learn that word, would you church? Learn that word. It will help you avoid a lot of bad situations. If you will just learn the word no. No, I won't say that. No, I won't go there. No, I won't compromise. No, I won't sin. No, I won't look at that. No, no, no. We'll get you out of a lot of jams. They'll prevent you from getting into jams. But if you find yourself in one, in one today, the Bible says that with every temptation, God will provide you a way of escape. And the word no is one of the most effective places of escape for the believer. So this temptation, come on out, let's talk about this. Let's talk about it. Leave the work and come to the plains of Ono. And the answer was, say it with me, no. The answer was no. And then there's this little phrase in verse 2, don't miss it. It says, but they thought to do me harm. Do you know the Bible describes exactly what Nehemiah is experiencing here? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are taught that God, through his Holy Spirit, will help us in difficult situations with this, what's known as the gift of discernment or the discerning of spirits. It's defined as the supernatural ability to tell the difference between right and wrong between true and false. So we find, Nehemiah finds himself with this invitation. It's a general invitation, although he's already been introduced to these enemies. 
He already knows their opposition. But now they're trying to invite him like things have changed. Why don't you come out? Let's talk about it. And he's like, no way. Because God revealed to him that they thought to do him harm. So his answer was, I'm not leaving a great work. Why would I need to leave a great work so I can go down to you? And notice in verse 4, they didn't stop. Four times, the same message kept coming over and over and over again. You see, at this point in chapter 6, at this point with the wall, it's not completely finished. The wall part is finished, but the various areas of the gates have not been hung yet. So the people are still vulnerable. It's still a dangerous situation. And for Nehemiah to leave would leave the city and the people in the city much more vulnerable than with his leadership there. And he says, I'm not going, no way. I'm not going to have that. But the devil doesn't let up. Haven't you found that to be true? The warfare doesn't let up. There are times you're just like, man, does it ever let up? The answer is no, not until you meet Jesus face to face. There's this constant resistance to your progress. The devil will never be satisfied with a no answer. Remember that time when the devil came? He thought he was so shrewd, he was so powerful that he came after Jesus himself. Not once, not twice, but three times. And each time the devil came to tempt Jesus, back in you want to read it, it's Luke chapter 4. Each time he came to tempt him, he was resisted. Jesus resisted him with the word of God. And then at the end, it says this in Luke chapter 4, verse 13. It says, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time, till the right time. And here we find Nehemiah over and over and over. The, the enemy's asking him to negotiate, which would have surely led to compromise. And Nehemiah said, I'm not going there. I am doing the good work. Sometime last year, as I was teaching at a men's conference, I don't remember where, somewhere in the country, it hit me, just like I'm standing here, it just hit me, and I shared it with the guys. It, it just overcame me with the sense of, and I told them, I said, I have more years behind me than I have in front of me. And it just hit me. It's like, I, I've been living for Jesus Christ in February, it'll be 29 years, they've been wonderful, I've served Jesus longer than I've been a rebel sinner, and, a, and, and I've been born again serving God for many years, I love it, it's great, it's grand, but I'm closer to the finish line than I am to the starting line, that's just the facts. I don't know when God will take me home, but the reality is, is I can see the finish line, I actually can see it, and I'm running my race of faith, I know the finish line is just up ahead. And I've got so many years behind me of where I started. And the finish line is there. And I want to finish my race. I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to quit. I don't want to negotiate with sin. I don't want to compromise. I, run a, I want to run. And I want to run well. And I want to finish. I want to finish, like Nehemiah here, the work that God has given me to finish. I don't want to be distracted. And I want to take as many people with me as possible. Because you know this to be true. There have been people running side by side in this race of faith and your life and mine that aren't running anymore, that they've quit, that they have, they're done. They, they, you know, you might get the picture, you see like a picture of somebody running the race and then they take a right turn and they just take off. I can think as last night, two faces came to my mind 
two people that were entrusted with great leadership here in this church in previous years, two men that are full-blown atheists today. That whatever happened in their life, they just have taken a stand against God. I remember reading in the biography of Billy Graham, one of the men that he started out with, he too turned down the road and became an atheist. Just so resistant to the work of God. Why? Well, we don't know exactly what happens in the heart of a man or a heart of a woman, but I tell you this, they left the work. They took the bait somewhere along the way. A little compromise here, a little dabbling with sin there, because the enemy's never satisfied with the word no. And I want you to finish your race well. As you're stepping out in faith, as you're growing in trust, understand that there will be opposition and there will be invitations to negotiate with sin and with compromise. Theories and philosophies. No longer do you allow God's word to speak to you, but now you've got some new philosophy, some new way of thinking. Well, you know, I know what the Bible says, but I think this. Well, understand, whatever you're thinking right now that contradicts the Bible, the Bible is right. And you're wrong. That's what the Bible says. You go, well, that's pretty bold for you to say that. Well, God is all-knowing. He's told us how to live life. And your philosophy might be getting you through a rough time. It might be helping you and navigating through some pain. Or it might be helping you to feel smart. And, and now you're, no, listen, the, smart, the smartest choice is to depend upon the wisdom of God. And when invitations come, this gift of discernment is very important. But you don't have to just rely upon some subjective feeling. Do you know the Bible gives us great insight to determine whether someone or something is from God or not. We need to look at it really quick to, before we look at the other points. So would you turn over to James chapter 3? James chapter 3. I can't tell you how many times this particular passage has helped me personally. Where I get an invitation. Hey, come and let's talk. Hey, let's work it out. Hey, and, and I sense in my spirit, I believe this discerning of spirits, and then I measure it by this in God's word, and I'm like, man, that isn't from the Lord. That is not from the Lord. And so I answer like Nehemiah answers, answer with me. I said, no. Okay, thanks. James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 13. This is so important, church. As you can see, I'm pretty fired up about it. Because I want you to move forward despite the opposition. I want you to see it coming. I want you to know it's not strange. I want you to know you can get through it. I want you to know that even these invitations to compromise, you'll be able to see right through them. Notice with me, verse 13 of chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts... Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, which another way you could say fleshly. It's sensual and it's demonic. Because where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. Nehemiah from God knew that the, on any of the villages on the plain of Ono would be filled with confusion and every evil thing. And he says, that's not for me. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic. You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, who today encouraged us to continue forward despite the opposition. This is part four in a series called Into Faith We Go. 
And as we near the end of the series, I want to remind you that you can hear all four studies online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our app as well. Search for the app today, Calvary Aurora. Well, as you know, Valentine's Day falls within the month of February. And with that in mind, we thought we'd recommend a book that can be of some help to our single listeners in particular. It's called A Love Letter Life and written by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. They write, if you can fall into love, you can fall out. True love is something you choose to live out each day through your actions, decisions, and sacrifices. That's just a taste of what you'll receive in A Love Letter Life. Learn how to date intentionally, pursue creatively, and love faithfully. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for your generous support. It is one huge avenue of God's supply and helps us cover some of the costs of being on the radio. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor finishes our series, Into Faith We Go, by once again showing us the attacks that Nehemiah faced and how he made it through. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.